Have you thought about changing careers but are afraid you might not have enough income? Are you unhappy where you are in life right now and feel stuck? In today's episode, you'll learn the first steps on how to take a stand, have a seat at the table, create massive impact, and change the conversation to live the life you dream of. Welcome to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm Heike Yates, and I'm the host of this podcast. I want to welcome all new listeners as well. Thank you for being here today. This will be a power-packed episode for you, and I can't wait to get into it. And I want to encourage you to subscribe wherever you consume this content. We're putting this content out on all major podcasting platforms and YouTube. So if you're not subscribed yet to my YouTube channel at Heike Yates, make sure you head on over there and subscribe. And we also have other content that drops exclusively on our YouTube channel. This month, as you'll find out, is all about empowerment for women in midlife. My fabulous guests share tips and strategies to help you take action and move forward joyfully. In today's episode, we'll learn how to normalize and accept the life that can be wonderful and awful at the same time. That we're not too old to do what we want and action steps that you can take right now to get closer to that change or those changes. Did you know that Pilates and intermittent fasting combined is the most effective way to lose body fat and supercharge your energy for an empty nester mom over 50 without another diet or spending hours working out? Let me show you how to recapture your health as an empty nester mom over 50 so that you can enjoy an active lifestyle without feeling left behind or stuck in old habits that no longer serve you. Check out the Empty Nest Reboot program where I share my secrets to a healthy and strong body for empty nester moms over 50. And I'll leave a link in the show notes. Let's jump into today's feature content. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Well, hello everyone. Our expert guest today is Jen Marbles. Jen is a champion of women in midlife and a cheerleader for all women. She's an entrepreneur, life and business coach for women, podcaster, and motivational speaker. She puts women first and lets them know they are not too fucking old to have the life and business they desire. Jen is the host of the Jen Marples Show podcast, which was recently featured in Marin Magazine. Her show is dedicated to helping and inspiring midlife female entrepreneurs to achieve the business and the life they desire. She also sits on the board of the Sparkle Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to serving struggling single working moms. I am so, so happy to be here with you today. This is awesome. I love the Sparkle Foundation and actually I Googled them afterwards and I said, huh, are they pursuing their spark? And sure enough, they did. Or are. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's the whole mission of the Sparkle Foundation is just to give these moms and these families a little bit of a sparkle in their lives. And um, I've been involved for two years. I got involved during COVID. One of, a friend of mine was um, a board on the board, and we had been together in the Junior League in San Francisco for years. She's like, Jen, I know you love to empower women. Do you want to do this? And it was just a full body yes, sign me up, I'll be on the board, I'll do whatever it takes. And there's nothing more satisfying than being able to give back. And we just do, I mean, the organization does incredible things and every dollar that comes in goes right back out and we're really proud of that. And our biggest thing that we do is a holiday gift drive. So women, you know, people either get nominated or they nominate themselves and the stories you hear, you just don't think that they can get any worse year over year and especially during the COVID times, I mean, it's mind blowing, but what they get to do is they get to write their wish list. So if their kid wants a computer, we get the kid a computer. If they want video games, they get video games. If they want a bike, we get the kids a bike. So it's not like some other charities are like use things and cobble things together. It's all brand new. It's all what they want. And women call you crying. And you, it's just the most satisfying thing I think that we all do. And I involve my kids in it as well, which it's great for them to see. And so we all know women can make a big difference in this world. Absolutely. And that's what we're talking about. That's our overarching topic today. Now, you, you grew up in Hawaii, one of my most favorite places on the world. Tell us, what was Jen like when she grew up? The wildling on Hawaii. That's what I picture. Tell us about that. Give us a glimpse of who that Jen was before she became who she is now. Oh my God, it's so funny. It, well, it's perfect timing because I'm just, I'm fresh off my high school reunion celebrating 35 years. So everyone can do the math. I'm 52. Um, I'm not going to lie. It did not suck to grow up in Hawaii. <laughs> it was an amazing place to grow up. And it's funny, um, since you're German, German, like there was a ton of German tourists and I started my PR career in travel and tourism and we had brochures in German. So it's really interesting, like of all the European countries, Germany was a big one. And then we had Canadians and of course, you know, Japanese and Chinese tourists. But so there's, it's no shock that you love Hawaii. Um, it was wonderful growing up because I think it also gave me and everyone a different perspective because I grew up in a melting pot. So it was people of every different culture that you could imagine. I actually, when I was growing up, my best friend was Korean and I never wanted to be white. I wanted to be Korean or a nice mix of Korean, Chinese, Japanese, and Filipino, like all my friends were, because it just felt so much more interesting um, than being white. But it was just a great, the thing about Hawaii that's the most amazing thing is the aloha spirit. And so I feel like I take that with me to this day. And sort of that spirit is, you know, my mom's got it. It's like build a table for if, if it's for 25 and oh, we can fit 50 at the table. Just, you know, come one, come all. Um, and that's very much the spirit of Hawaii. It's just like, you know, I meet you, you're friends for life. And um, one of my friends said almost being from Hawaii ruins you living anywhere else because it's just <laughs> such a special place. And of course, it's beautiful. Of course, the weather is outstanding and i'm an island girl i like the humidity i like i like a trade wind i like the palm trees um and i do feel like spiritually connected to the islands and i'll spare you from all of that but it is a very sacred place for me as soon as i get off the plane i feel my blood pressure go down life just feels different and in fact we were posting a bunch of photos all over social media and people we didn't know very well that were friends of french like i don't know what it is about hawaii but you guys are all glowing you all look fabulous so there's something about just being there and the spirits and just the aloha spirit happy vibes and i don't know it's the sun it's the humidity i think it's just everything and of course you know it's expensive to live there it's not all like pretty pretty perfect but I don't know. It's pretty special. And uh, my kids feel very connected to it, too, because they've been going there since, well, since they were in utero. Um, and they adore it. And I will, I am saying this right now, I'm going to own a home there someday. So that's our sort of plan in the future is to, to live part-time in California and part-time in Hawaii. There's no better place on earth than Hawaii. Yeah, California, it's like where you live right now yes. is the Bay Area. It's just as beautiful, too. But and they, they both are so close, you can easily fly over to Hawaii and enjoy that part of your heritage, basically, too. Exactly. It's just a five-hour flight. It's just like flying from California to New York. And so my parents were just in for my girls just graduated from eighth grade. So I just, I went like on a Thursday, came back on a Monday night. It's super easy. Um, I, I'm just going to do the PSA for Hawaii. Like everybody, you know, everyone should visit Hawaii. <laughs> and I've been all over the world. I've been on beaches 
in foreign lands and there's nothing more spectacular and special than being in Hawaii. And my favorite is like there's a little Hawaiian sunset, the, the trees and the water begins to sparkle, you know, put a fork in me, I'm done. I could die right there. And well, actually my ashes will be spread when I die at a hundred on one of the beaches in Hawaii. It's in my last will and testament. <laughs> Excellent. You know, it's good to plan ahead as we know as empty nesters, because anything can happen at any age. And once you have, once you have children, which you have three of as well, it is so good to put your papers in order. And in case something happens, God forbid, but there is no confusion of what needs to be done. It's like, you know, you die. You're like, what am I going to do with her now? Like, okay, burn her. Oh yeah. That's what she wants. She wants to be burned and then ashes in the Alps or whatever I wrote, I don't even remember what it is, but um, it is good to have these things. And I love that you have that connectedness to, to a place that you feel so uh, ingrained and so uh, in the texture of the culture. I love that. Because I feel like I have almost a, it's either, it's either a both and or an either or. It's not anything with the or, it's a both and mindset. Because at one point in time, I thought I needed to actually just live there. But then when I realized I can be both and. So it's sort of like right now I'm wearing a little blazer and I'm kind of buttoned up. But then there I'm wearing like little caftans and floral dresses. So I just think it's right mid-light. It's like you get to be everything you want. I used to feel like you had to fit into a certain box. So it's like you get to be like the island goddess or whatever. And then you can be the buttoned up like I'm going to go give a presentation kind of a thing. So we get to live it all. We don't have to Absolutely. be either or. Absolutely. Which brings me, because when you picture Jen as the island girl, and I've seen the flowing cute dresses, so I'm stalking you too, because I want to know as much as I can about my podcast guests. And I was like, oh yeah, I can, I can totally feel that. But you are, or I don't know if you still own the company uh, of an executive marketing company. You, you had that for 25 years. Tell us how does the island girl go with that kind of business? So interesting. Um, so I've been in public relations and marketing for 25 years. So that was pre pretty much my entire adult career. And then within that, I worked for other people and I had a PR firm and it was called Koa Communication. So there's, that's a Hawaiian wood. So my, the name of my company had that for all the qualities of, a, of Koa. It's rare and strong and all this stuff. Um, so I had the company for 12 years. So it was a PR firm in San Francisco. Um, and that I actually started my career in Hawaii working for a publicist. And then I was I started off, I think, as I mentioned, and I was in the travel and tourism business. I was the PR director for two tourist attractions. So, you know, I just worked seven days a week, like most of us in the hospitality business. And I loved it. And then I ended up um, moving to Colorado. It's where I met my husband. Then we lived overseas. We actually lived in Taiwan for almost two years. And I worked for some uh, multinational PR firms while I was there. And then we've been in the Bay Area since 2000. So we've kind of ridden the waves of everything, uh, the economy, the ups and downs. And um, so it's interesting because what really made me successful in that business was having this sort of type A, hard charging, creative, and there's so much that I loved about it, but I didn't have a lot of the balance of, it was a lot of the masculine. It was a lot of the drive and the energy. So there's a lot of the masculine. And then in the midst of um, growing my firm, I like to joke, you know, sitting in San Francisco as my waistline was expanding, like popping out kids, the business was expanding. So everything was expanding, my family, the business. And then it was all swimming along until it sort of wasn't. Meaning I was putting work and everything first. And then I came home and I had these babies. I mean, my, and just so you guys all know, I have an almost 17 year old son and two almost 15 year old girls. So I, and I also went from one to three and I had at one point in time had three kids in diapers and I was running my firm and it was, you know, it was crazy. And I was involved in charities and all this stuff. Cause it's like, that's kind of what we were all taught to do. It's like, just keep on doing exactly the same stuff and just throw kids into it. And we're, you know, we can do it all. And then, you know, my health started to go off kilter a little bit, but I wasn't totally paying attention to it because I'm like, oh, it's just working mom stuff. I can't feel my fingers and toes. I'm having like irregular heartbeats. No big deal. I cracked four crowns, but kind of like found myself in that, that go, 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 the typical thing that a lot of us women, especially you grew up in the eighties and nineties, it's like the go more is more. It's like keep striving and achieving. And we were never taught to sort of question any of it, just like you kept going. And that's just sort of what we saw, right? And like our moms and the generations before us paved this way. And, um, and I, was, I, I, was, I had a lot of pride in my company and everything that we were doing. We work with publicly traded companies, big companies, did really important work. 
So it's really, it was really hard to kind of step back from that. So to make a long story short, I think when the, my son was starting kindergarten, we moved across the bridge just up north in Tiburon. So we're still in the Bay Area, but just kind of got out of the hubbub. Oh, we were living at the corner of Haight and Ashbury. Everybody knows where that is. <laughs> so imagine three little kids at the corner of Haight and Ashbury, and both my husband and I are entrepreneurs. It was, it was crazy. Um, so we moved over the bridge, and then I remember one day, my husband was like, something has to give because I still had my business, still going crazy, I'm yelling and screaming at my kids. And mind you, it took me years to get my kids. I had to go through fertility, had all these issues. So I really worked hard and hard and long to get those babies. And I'm now yelling and screaming at everyone. And it's just because, you know, they're trying to go to bed and I had like five more hours worth of work to do. It was just this working mom sort of stuff. But I found I couldn't process things like I used to because I was, I didn't know it then, but I was fried because I'd never really taken a break. I didn't have some long luxurious, well, maternity leave is not luxurious. I had basically no maternity leave because it was my business. So I couldn't really step away. And so everything was kind of compounding on itself. And I found myself one day going, all right, I guess I need to wrap it up. Because my husband, and thank God my husband is a very understanding guy. We had sold our place in the city. So we had a little bit of a cushion because I did, you know, it's hard to walk away from good money and like a, like a prestigious job. And I'm, I employed people like this is what I was I was very proud of what I did, but at the sacrifice of myself. And so then I had to slowly dismantle. I let clients go and kind of contracts end and I referred out business. And then all of a sudden I was left with myself and holy crap, it's like, who are you? And so I had this, it was like my midlife crisis at 45. And so it was a big sort of deconstruction and it was sort of the breaking everything down to build it all back up. So it was about two years of working with therapists naturopaths, seeing Western doctors, getting like my birth chart done and really sort of peeling back the layers. And I remember my therapist saying, she's like, Jen, if you don't really figure out what you're doing and get back, you're going to go into menopause. You're just going to be this broken, shattered person because I had not, I swear I had nothing left. And so seeing doctors, I had adrenal fatigue. My thyroid was off. I had zero to no iron stores. I was basically a big old mess. So at that point, if I went to lunch with somebody, I'd need to come home and take a three hour nap. So that's how fried I was. And so even, you know, taking that time off, my kids were still little. So there's no rest for any mother, as you all know, there's no rest. But I did have to peel these layers back and then slowly build back up. And so then that led me finally to taking coaching training. I was like, oh, this sounds good. I think I'll do that. I did yoga teacher training. Um, I taught yoga for a hot minute. Thought I was going to own a yoga studio. Didn't so I take more of the yoga philosophy now when I'm working with people and just kind of in life, and sort of kind of put that all together and ended up um, starting women's events. Just kind of going on a hunch. I think women need to come together and have deeper conversation because I feel like even in this connected world that we're in, women still feel very disconnected. So started with events, and then I was still doing a couple. Um, I still had a couple PR clients on the side, but not a firm, nothing fancy, just sort of consulting on the side. And um, that was about two, three years ago, I started women's events. And then last fall, I was like, okay, I'm ready to take it up a notch. And I started my podcast, which is the Jen Marple show. And so I coach women and I like love to speak. Like that's my favorite thing to do in the world. I'm actually speaking at an event next week in Malibu. Um, and I'm just here to empower the midlife woman. So that's what you said at the beginning. I, I consider myself the champion of the midlife woman and a cheerleader for all women. So, you know, get me in front of anybody and I'm going to talk to you and tell you that you can do whatever you want. And then especially if you're at midlife, and that's what my podcast is all about, that we get to put ourselves first and do whatever the hell we want. Full stop. That's a, you unpacked a lot there because many of our guests don't speak from a businesswoman's perspective. And you laid it out, you unpacked it literally like what it is for many women that are breadwinners or that have their own company and have children. And I've had one guest on the show who was a single mom with two children, who grown children, but still in their 20s, and how she was the CEO of her company and going through literally having to make a choice between your health your children and your company. So what will win or where where will we give? And you 
mentioned it so so pointedly that your health started to deteriorate because you didn't take care of yourself anymore. Did your husband notice anything? Did he say, honey, you know what? We need to step back or were you like full in charge? Like many women hide the need for help and say, I got this. I can do 20 things all at once and I'm rocking it. What did your husband say about this or feel? What did he comment? Um, so it's really interesting to, to be honest, when we, when the first, the process first started, he was like, you've got to, I mean, we just celebrated 24 years married. So we had been together forever. Um, and he, he does know me, I think better than anybody else. And he's like, I was put on this here, <laughs> put on this earth and it's like, for you. And I'm like, well, thank God. Cause he's, he is a patient soul. <laughs> and you know, I'm the type paid crazy, crazy lady. He was always like, Jen, take a breath. Look at the sunset. I'm like, what freaking sunset? I have a deadline, but that's why we're good together. <laughs> um, but he did come to me and he's like, you know, you're yelling at everyone. Like we're getting the worst of you, like from the outside world. And this happens to a lot of us. Business owners are just like type A and a lot, just a lot of women in general that, every, oh, everything's great on the outside, but come into my world and it's falling apart. And there's that whole um, quote or whatever that's out there. It's like, make sure to check on your strong friends because just the way I operate, you would think everything's great. Cause I, you know, Putting yourself together is sort of a control mechanism. So you're not going to see me fall apart on the outside. It's all great. And I um, mean, and since I'm a helper too and a giver, I was also through all this deconstruction, helping somebody get through divorce, helping somebody with an abusive relationship and this and that. And it was actually this astrologer who told me, she's like, you're, the people that you're with right now are sucking you dry. She's like, who is listening to you? And I was like, oh, that's a really good question. Besides my husband, no one. So I was sitting there with my life literally falling apart and I'm helping other people. And so I was, you know, serving from like, what is it like, a, you know, the, the, it's the analogy of like the tree. Like I, there was no tree. I was a stump. Like there was, I had nothing to give. I could, I couldn't even give to myself. So I had like no business. I had to, like, she's like, you have to really look at what you're doing and like pull back. Cause I didn't have anything extra to give. I had to put myself first. So my husband, God bless him was like, you got to step back. So we went through the process. And then I was left with myself. And in the process of this deconstruction, to be very honest, it got very ugly. I thought everything else was a problem. I wasn't the problem. So I told my husband, we need to move to Hawaii. It's where we live. This is the problem. And he's like, well, his whole entire business is here. So it meant he needed to pack up and he's in real estate and start fresh. And we have three children. He's like, how, how does this work? How do we make money? The whole nine yards, but I have to go to Hawaii. And then I'm like, maybe my husband's the wrong husband. So I went through this whole thing and it's because I was so broken. I had nothing. I was just not healthy. So I didn't, I wasn't coming from this like stable place of being fulfilled. I had like, you know, my iron, like I said, all the stuff was in the toilet. So I wasn't even coming with any type of fresh perspective. And, you know, it got rocky and rough there for a while. And we went, thankfully we went to therapy and worked through a lot of stuff and we are, and we had, you know, a dark time. It was our 20 year anniversary when kind of a lot of this deconstruction was happening. And um, we can kind of laugh about it now, but we, we've never been stronger. And so this is also a cautionary tale. Like a lot of people want to throw in the towel and it's someone had said, like when you're with somebody, you're, you're in a marriage. If you stay with one person, you're probably in five to six different marriages over the course of your life because of people changing. And he's had his own midlife crisis too. So it was just having the commitment to each other to ride this wave. And I actually just did a podcast about it because it's when you're in a dark place and you're tired and you're like overworked, you're not sleeping, you're putting everybody else first, you don't have any perspective. And so you think everything's wrong. And so when you come out of a place of putting yourself first, clearing the calendar, going into self-care, doing stuff that you want to do, it just changes everything. And I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, how are you still married to me? I was like a crazy person. But again, it's marriage. He had his own thing. And so we're really, we're really great now. And of course, everything still takes work. As you know, you just have to work on relationships, but thank God. It's like, it only took, I'm like thinking of just the different phases we've been in, but he's a, Jeff Marples, you are a great man. You'll have to listen to this. Jeff, you, wherever you're listening, you are her man. And Thank I you. love that because you touched on something that is part of our midlife. We all grow and we grow in different directions. We're not the people that we were in our 20s. We develop new interests, 
new habits, new jobs. I mean, you changed career, which I want to dive a little bit more in as, as, a, as a guide, is you changed career in midlife. I mean, a full 360, something completely different, something that is healthy for you and better for you. But it took some guts and letting go of many things to move into that space. And I think for many women in midlife, that is really a tough going. So let's look at it first from a perspective of I've owned my business. I need to let go of my baby. And just recently, somebody said, if your business is your baby, you're looking at it from a wrong perspective. Your business is a machine, not your baby. And I thought, oh, my God, this is so true, because if you have a baby, you constantly need to baby it. So you took that leap of letting go of your machine, your baby, took care of yourself. How did you feel in a transition of this? You touched in a little bit, you went to therapy, but how did you feel deep down in there? What, 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 is the, what does it feel like? Did you feel like... Finally, thank God, did you feel like I'm so guilty I'm letting go? What was going on in your head during that time? It's kind of a combination of everything. So one was, and what I know now with all the work I've done in coaching training and everything to date, so that was like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, um, is of, it's really letting go of the ego. And this is what I counsel a lot of women on. So I was doing a lot of this because of my ego. So hanging on because... I'm the woman who's telling Fortune 500 CEOs how to like market their company. And, I, and, and I'm the woman who employs people and I'm like, and I employed mostly women. And, you know, it was this whole thing. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? It was because it was killing me, but it was the ego was driving it because of like, this is what I've done. And so the hard thing to do, and I tell this woman all the time, is when you're making a change, you really have to sit with yourself and make these changes based on your heart and your soul versus your ego. And also your ego wants to keep you safe. So if, if the, my ego had its way, I would still be doing it. I'd still be dying, but I, at least I knew how to do it. I can do it in my sleep. I can make money, but I wouldn't, nothing would be fulfilling about it. And I knew deep down inside, I had a passion to do something else, which obviously I figured out was helping. And I've always had this through line of helping women. So it wasn't like this weird aha, it came out of nowhere. I've kind of always done that. Um, but it was this, there was something freeing because the pressure and obviously in public relations, if anybody has been in that field, it's really one of the most stressful jobs you can have. It's like always in the top five or 10. It's like up there with like flying a plane, I think, because you can't control anything. And so I was just always living in a state of anxiety on behalf of my clients and what we were doing for them and ma managing my team. So there was a point of like relief, like, wow, I get to take a break because I've just always worked. I've always worked. I never took a break. So that was another thing. Like I've always made money. I'm not making money. And so it has an interesting shift in a marriage and in a relationship. But like I said, we had sold our place. So we, I could just quit. So I was like, basically it was like a health crisis. And thank God we had that money in the bank because I did make good money. We have three kids living in a very expensive area. So that's like, that's a big deal to not work. And um, so during the sort of the reconstruction I, you know, I learned a lot about myself. I'm actually, there was an exercise in coaching training and I take clients through this as well, where you sort of think about who your inner critic is. And then you also think about what, who you are inside. So there's this other sort, not, not an alter ego, but someone deep inside. And the person that kept coming up was this very calm Hawaiian woman, like sitting on the edge of rocks. She was with a lay on and just being peaceful. So it was very informative to me. And I had the same um visualization when i worked with my therapist so what that was telling me is i needed to tap more into my feminine and who i was and kind of let the ego die and let the masculine this driving achieving ticking these things off the box but weren't making me happy and so it's very powerful so it's kind of i'm this equal balance now and the the, the driver always wants to kind of take over and i have to bring it back down because I know where that goes. It's like probably someone who's got a drinking problem or something. It's like, I can just go all into overwork and all of that. But I know when I get like off balance, like, oh, I need to put these things in. I need to stop early. I need to go for a walk, you know, all of that. Um, but why I share this with everyone is that it's not an easy process, especially if you've been working really hard. You either own a business or you've been in something for a long time. Because a lot of us don't even ask the question, are we happy? 
Are we fulfilled? Does this serve us anymore? And the second piece of that is, if you wanna make a change, reframe how you're looking at what you're currently doing as sort of the way that your dreams are gonna get funded. So start doing something on the side that you like, because you don't have to put a lot of pressure on something else. And it takes a, a little while to uncover and unpack. And I have like tools and tips to do that. But the safe way to kind of do it, the easy way is kind of like, okay, I think I maybe, you know, say, okay, I'm in PR, but you know, I want to be a Pilates instructor. Okay, well, just start taking classes on the side. There's teacher trainings you can take that coincide with the workday. You can do them on the weekend. And it doesn't have to mean anything. You can just do it and decide you don't want to do it, but you've done it. And then you, that'll lead you to another step. So don't put like a lot of pressure on some of these choices you make. Just start walking towards things that interest you and that you like. And every single step you take is going to be very informative because that's exactly what I did. So I tell people what to do exactly what I did. And you're going to go in twists and turns and ups and downs and left and right. And then finally something's going to open up and you're going to be like, oh, wow. Okay, here it is. But as much as we want it to happen overnight or the first time we take pen to paper, it just doesn't happen like that. But it's a fun process. It is a fun I, process. I think that women also shy away from that process, but God forbid what they might want. And if they like, I like your example of becoming a Pilates teacher. That's how, how some, uh, how I got into my business, not into Pilates, but into fitness. It's like you take classes on the side, you learn about that stuff. And then it's okay if that's not becoming your career. If you thought about, oh my God, I want to be a Pilates teacher. And then it somehow becomes more like a hobby or your own, your own thing, as I like to call it. I like, I don't, like I'm, somebody wanted to hire me as a tango teacher because we, we subbed for the teacher a couple of times. And I said, you know, I'd rather just come to class. I don't want to be a teacher. And I think that's also a reservation that women have. If they commit to something, they need to pull through with all their might, whether they don't like it anymore or not, whether it makes them not happy anymore. And they thought it was great. So I think it's a great point that you're making. Just it takes time. It takes work. And you, you can take that time and explore and find what it is that you really want to do without guilt, without pressure. And also the transition financially, I think you made a very good point that we don't want to suddenly be without income because that puts us back into a, a place where we're dependent on somebody and we may not want that. At least I don't. And I'm sure you don't either. No, and um, I would say that you know, I mentioned that I was, you know, consulting on the side. So I actually just stopped consulting PR wise a year ago. Um, I still there's I still have one client and I do more business advising with her because a lot of what I do is business coaching and everything with folks. So that just that is a superpower of mine. And I love doing that. I love working with female entrepreneurs, but traditionally sort of working with companies and doing traditional big PR programs. You know, I stopped doing that about a year ago. And because I was at the point where I was doing everything else and I said, OK, I can now make the shift. And I talked to my husband. It was a little bit of a group decision. I said, you know, there'll be probably a little dip before it goes up. But it's like you believe in me, right? It's like I built something and he's like, of course. And so and it's because I, I had to say to myself and this is you'll know this if you're in this transition. If you keep saying yes to sort of the old career, you're not saying yes to yourself and your whatever new role it is. And, you know, and you brought up a good point. You don't have to go all in with everything. If you just want to stay doing what you're doing, but because you've done, say, Pilates teaching on the side, I know somebody who's actually in PR and does media training and all this, and she has, um, she teaches Pilates classes early in the morning, on the weekend. So it's kind of her side business. And she's sort of keeping it that way because it's so fulfilling. And then she, the other thing is kind of like, she puts slush, she's like, oh, I can make money, you know, 10 times on Sunday, this other one, she's really good at it. But now she's getting all her passion for fitness and for helping people out. And it's just this great balance. There doesn't have to be one way. I was just talking to another um, a client saying, and this is to your point, like you don't have to put pressure on it. You don't have to say, if I do Pilates teacher training or yoga training or a book writing class, that it has to mean anything, that you have to go be now a yoga teacher or Pilates teacher. I did that with yoga because I've done yoga for almost 20 years. I'm like, sure, like why not? That's a natural thing. I don't want to teach yoga, 
I want to go to yoga. It deepened my practice, all the yoga philosophy I bring into my daily life and working with clients. And because I didn't want to muddy the thing, because yoga is the happiest thing for me of what I do. And I didn't want to have that be anything related to like work. There's no wasted step. That's the other thing. Like, like, I'm going to yoga, you know, teach yoga. Nope. I'm just going to own a studio. Nope. So all these little steps took me to where I am now. So just go, go towards something that makes you happy. And then that's going to open up another door. It'll open up another door, another thought idea. You'll meet some new people. And then sort of like the path uh, unveils itself to you. I love that you said there is Basically, you don't have to do it. There's nothing wasted. Because I do know from talking to my community that many women feel if they're doing something that's not productive, that is not contributing, it's a waste of time. And God forbid, I waste something. And having that freedom and that liberty to not feel that way, I think is very empowering for women. It is. And I think a lot of women, and I certainly felt it, they feel like it's indulgent to put yourself first and do something different. I certainly felt that way when I was doing coaching training and then yoga teacher training. I was like, wow. Because, you know, we all have gone to college and done that. And it's like I hadn't thrown myself into anything big unless it was some type of professional development or a seminar or something along the way. But to throw yourself into a five-month program here or a three-month program there and you're not making the money. So it's, it feels indulgent, but it's not because when you're doing things that are making you happy, filling you up, and we should always like lean towards constant learning. Like I'm a lifelong learner. I'll be taking classes when I'm 90 because I just think that keeps you up to date. It keeps you fresh. It keeps you vital. When I was especially in yoga teacher training, I was so happy because I just love yoga so much. I was like doing two or three classes a day, like devouring the philosophy of it all. And that was benefiting my family too and the people around me. And then, I, then I'm taking class and I'm helping people next to me. And it was all great. I mean, I didn't end up teaching yoga, but was that a wasted thing? Absolutely not because it deepened my own personal practice. Like, and I have such a respect. I probably even do an advanced training just to even go deeper into the whole thing. But it changed my practice. So it changed the thing that I love most in the world and made that deeper for me. And then just kind of geeked out on the philosophy, which is stuff I spew all the time to everyone. Um, just lean in. Just lean into what you like and don't feel like, here's the other thing. Women feel like we have to be crashing and burning and dying to take time off, to get a massage, to go on a vacation. We just feel guilty doing anything for ourselves because we're so programmed to serve and give. And I'm here to tell you, we have to do it. We have to do it. I just came off this reunion trip and I just spent four solid days with some of my best girlfriends in the world. We laughed till we cried. We thought about nothing else. No one brought husbands or kids. And that was better than five years of therapy. I love Everyone this. needs to do that. It's not self-indulgent. Because I love that. Because my next question would have been, what is the biggest challenge? And you just framed it. It's that's exactly it. It's it's we we deserve it. We're worth it. And and that's when you when you said you you said uh, that you believe that women or midlife women will change the world. Tell us that. What what do you mean by that? Picture, so right, give us a picture of that idea that we are rocking it. So funny, I just had this conversation last night. I was at an event and I was talking to a woman who was like 55, 56, exactly type of woman we've been talking about, had a career, took a lot of time off for kids. She's back in, she doesn't know what this job's gonna be, but feeling like, am I worthy? Does, am I, who's going to employ me because I'm old? I feel like, you know, and I, she said, I don't feel seen. And I said, here's the deal. We're at midlife. And the only reason we think all this crap is because some white guys in Madison Avenue told us that we were like past the expiration date at 50. Another woman didn't say it. Women aren't saying this. It's like, we've been sold a bill of goods and it's a crock of, I don't know, but can we swear on this? I'll just say it's a crock of poop. You can see it, it really truly is. So my theory is, is that the more empowered we become at midlife, the more we step back into our power and realize how strong we are, because we all know women get it done. Women get it done. Who's like trying to change the gun lobby? It's women who are, if you think about what women are trying to do, 
it's we are incredible but somewhere along the way it's like oh i'm old no 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 no. i have more energy now than i did when i was 30. and then we had this incredible ability to focus when we hit this midlife phase and especially like you know there are some people with young kids at this time but most of the kids are getting older and more self-sufficient so we have more time and just the way our bodies are wired right now like we can really do incredible things we're living longer this is not like our grandparents generation we're living longer we can take care of ourselves i plan on going out as a, at 100. but if we so i go one, my whole mission is empowering one woman at a time because say if i just i'll use myself as an example by me sitting here and not like giving up and like going oh my life sucks i hate my job i hate this and god this is the death and taxes mentality is what i call it instead i'm on purpose on fire i wake up every morning excited my kids are seeing that my 15 almost 15 year old daughters are seeing that they're seeing their mom starting something at 52 and she's happy so happy happy mom happy home happy mom happy community because then it spreads out into your community so your exercise classes the, the the women in the pta colleagues clients so that has that ripple effect so it doesn't matter you don't have to be working it's just being secure and confident in who you are so if you want to go take a pilates teacher training if you want to start salsa dancing if you want to go horseback riding do it traveling the world by yourself why not because the only people it's not like i said it's not other women saying we are being put out to pasture we have somebody in office how, how does our president is he 80 and it's white old white men are running this country give me a break so it's like why can't us old white ladies and black ladies and brown ladies all the ladies be running the country because that's where we need to be i'm so passionate about this and we need to get out there and vote we need to make changes and i just think we need to step up and if people are keeping you down you need to get those people out of your life yep and especially now we're going through such big transitions uh, with all our rights, with many things that are specifically geared to us women that those old white people want to take away from us because they are seeing their structure crumble underneath them and their power fleeting and saying, hey, wait a minute. No, if the more we restrict women and other minorities, the, the better off we are with our old structure. And and I I... I love that our title is the revolution of the midlife woman because I feel the same as you, Jim. Oh, that it's so passionate. We're in this together and it's no longer, it's not the time to stand there, fold your hands and say just, okay, yes, thank you. And instead, how can we support each other as women better? 100%. So there's a woman, uh, Julie Castro Abrams, I had her on my podcast. She runs a nonprofit called How Women Lead and she is latina so her whole mission first and foremost is to get more women on corporate boards and then to elevate women of color and minority women because as much as we're underrepresented as white women it's even harder and so i love her theory i mean it's we have to lift all ships so if we're coming from a place of privilege and this is what i preach all the time we have to lift our other sisters up who don't have that same privilege we have to be intentional about it because we can't just assume, oh, she's doing this, she's doing that. And I, I kind of rant about this when I go out and speak, especially to some of the younger businesswomen. If you have been given something, because I, I, I know I had come from a place of privilege. I had a loving home. My parents paid for college. I'm a white woman. I know I come from a place of privilege. So that's why I'm very involved in my nonprofit. And when I see opportunities for other women, like I am bringing women into opportunities and I'm helping give other women a voice. And so if we all did that, think of the, how crazy this amazing this world would be. Because what they want out there, they want us all to fight and be like putting each other down. And we cannot do that anymore because they win. There is enough to go around. <laughs> if anyone's going to get pushed out, it's them because they're evil and they're keeping everything like close to the vest. And we need to all get a piece of this because just it's not okay what's happening in the country. It's just not okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we have to look out all the time. I'm constantly on the lookout of how I can put some, how I can put women together if it's for their businesses or you need to meet this person or you got a cool company. More people need to know about this and getting women to the forefront. So everyone needs to look around. In general, we are nurturing and we are connectors and we love to share information. But I know that a lot of times the fear, the uncertainty or whatever 
crazy feelings we all are dealing with that have been instilled in us since we were little of how to behave, how to sit at the table. And I, I remember a picture that was taken of me in a Sunday dress with hair all done up and whatever. And my, I stand there with my hands by my side and I'm making a fist. And for years, I did not know what that meant. And my family was like, oh, look at you, looking all cute and stuff. And then doing like you did, you do some of your work and, and discover I hated the whole thing. I hated it. And every time when now I'm standing there making a fist, I know I do not like this one bit. And we can do something to mitigate this path to, like you said, we have ways to help us. But if somebody feels like, dang, I'm stuck here. I want to do something. What would you say to that woman that I want to move forward in my, I want to start a business because you are such an amazing business coach. And we haven't talked about this in, on the show in for women in that are around the emptiness. So what would you tell that woman who sits there, twiddles her thumbs or makes a fist and it's like, oh. I think first, first and foremost, you need to learn how to spend time with yourself alone and how to be with yourself and your thoughts. So a lot of us are running around, even if kids could be out the door, women have a way to like be busy, right? It's, oh, we're all so busy, but what are you busy with? So really look on your calendar and go, okay, is this friend filling me up? Is this commitment necessary? And instead put in dedicated time every day to be with yourself. So it could just be going for a walk in the morning. So you could do a one-two punch, just take a walk in the morning, 30 minutes, and then come home and journal but don't have anything in your ears. As much as we all want you to listen to our podcast, we don't want you to listen to your, these podcasts on these walks. You need to learn how to be with your thoughts because it takes time. It takes time. Like I said before, you're not gonna just take pen to paper and journal and it's all gonna be clear. So start being with yourself, no distractions, take a walk and then journal. And then just journal, what do you like? What don't you like? Just vomit things on paper and some things were gonna come up. And then another really good way to kind of figure out what you want to do is write a little list on one column of like what you're really good at. And then on the next column, write what you love to do. So what you're good at, and then on the other column, what you love to do. And then kind of see where some things pop up there. And so you're going to see like, oh, there's natural things that you do that you're not even aware of until you kind of like do this exercise. So it's no, it's no, um shock when i put like coordinate people i've been like the party planner since i think eighth grade i've been like pulling people together so i'm like i'm really good at that and i love to be around people and women so it's like okay there's a natural thing she and that's how i started like doing my first events because i'm a natural connector so just going through that exercise is really interesting and then to take that a step further email like 10 close friends and ask them what do you think i'm good at what's my superpower that is a fascinating exercise because, and your friends will all respond because they're going to love being asked that question. I, and I've done this exercise and it's so incredible to get what comes back. So then you've got your own list and now you've got this list of your 10 nearest and dearest who said, this is where I think you're really good. Now some themes pop up when you're kind of looking at that. And then the next thing, like I said before, then just go towards things that are interesting. Get out of your same zone. What I did when I was kind of going through my exploratory phase, I live outside of the city now. I remember a gal I used to do business with who also had this fabulous podcast was doing like a live podcast recording with two other women is like on the, the plight of the working mom or something. But it was in the mission district in the city, which is edgy. I went by myself. My husband's like, you're not going with anybody. I'm like, no, I'm going to leave it open like for me to meet people. And um, went into the city by myself and for like a couple hours i was just me i wasn't a wife i wasn't a mother i was just me somebody vital in this world like walked up all different walks of life at this podcast recording chatting with a ton of people and i came home that night with a pep in my step so you really have to get out of your your regular routine like go see an author speak sign up for a seminar I mean, it doesn't have to be in person. You can do them online as well, but do things that are out of your zone that are going to stretch you because, you know, that definition of insanity, if you keep doing the same thing, it's like nothing's going to change. If you're with the same people doing the same thing, nothing will change. 
So you have to be very intentional about it. And you can hop on a plane and go away for a weekend by yourself or just take a day, do a day long retreat, but start learning to get out of your zone, get into new places. So you can kind of come back to who you are because you've got to strip everything away. You've got to strip your house, your home, whoever's in the house, you've got to get rid of all of it to then be able to listen and go, oh, yeah, I think I kind of would like to do that. And that will kind of inform your next move. I love that. And it can be scary, but I love the strategies that you shared, your superpower, get out of the house, do something new, strip things away. And it doesn't have to be that you're stripping things away one day and you're saying, now I'm done, because that's takes a lot of work, as Jen has already mentioned in the episode today. But final words, what would you say are empty nester moms over 50? I would say this. I said, you know, it's not selfish or self-involved to put yourself first. Because I firmly believe when you put yourself first, you actually are then putting everybody else first because you're showing what it's like to be an empowered woman who's putting herself first, who's doing what she loves and embracing it. My other big thing I say to everyone is don't care what anybody thinks. It's going to set you free. At midlife, we don't have time and no one's thinking about you anyway. So just go do that. It, literally, if you can take one thing away from this, just stop caring what people think. It's going to set you free to do whatever the hell you want. And don't think it's crazy to do Pilates classes or take salsa dancing lessons or horseback ride or take a coding class, whatever the hell it is, who gives a crap what anybody thinks. It's your one, like Mary Oliver said, it's your one wild and precious life. So are you going to live your life for you or for expectations of others or what you think everybody else wants you to do? So that breaks my heart to think of any woman not living her life how she wants to live on her terms. So just yeah. live the life you, you want to live. Just be courageous. You're not, you don't have to be confident. Just have the courage to take one step closer to what you think you want to do. Love it. So Jen, how can people reach out and connect with you? So I am at Jen Marples, M-A-R-P-L-E-S, all over social media. I have my podcast, The Jen Marples Show, and it's on all major podcast platforms and jenmarples.com, my website. And you so see, you can find everything that I offer there and more about me. And, you know, send me, an, you know, my email's on there. Send me an email. You can DM me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm all over Facebook. And I'm always happy to answer questions and give advice. And I love chatting with people. I love connecting. Thank you so much for chatting with us today and sharing all your wisdom, which I know I can literally in my head pinpoint the women that I know are listening to this podcast who will benefit from all your wisdom. Thanks, Heike. When I started everything, I said, if I can just help one woman, like make a choice, live in her power and maybe avoid some of the suffering that I went through, then it will all have been worth it. So I really appreciate being on your show today. So listen, everybody, Jen and I are on social. That means we are social. That doesn't mean you just listen to this episode, click next or click onto your other favorite show, which is probably Jen's show. But we want you to reach out to us on social, on our social media links that are in the show notes. So it's easy for you to hop over and it's Jen, just like I have my name is HeikeYates.com. It's everything social, Jen Marbles, same thing. We wanna have a conversation with you. We wanna know what your superpower is. And we, we are looking for those comments. So don't think that if nobody will read those, we will read and we will respond. So with that, my friends, be on the lookout for your superpowers and we'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao.